Just a heads up, we're going to be discussing sexual assaults a little bit in this episode. So listener discretion is advised. Thank you very much. Here's the episode. The king, assuming the meeting with the engineers was dragging on, had, like the pent, waved formalities. Descending the flight of stairs from the royal apartments, he'd walked down the hallway trailing his attendants behind him, to arrive in the open doorway precisely as a whole room full of people stood by watching the Queen of Atolia in the pent ambassador's arms. No one paints moments like these on walls. Seeing him pale, I understood why even Edis had braced herself after the oath-taking ceremony when the king was told he could not fight in his own battles. That had been illness. This was rage. The ambassador, sensing his dangerous exposure, swiveled his head. Seeing the king, he waffled over how alarmed he should be. Atolia pushed him away. She pointed to the second set of doors on the far side of the room. Run. Welcome back, subversive playwrights. It's November 21st, 2021, and this is the Atolian Archives, your Queen's Thief reread podcast to help you recover from Return of the Thief. I'm Noelle. And I'm Caitlin. And today we're discussing Chapter 5 of Return of the Thief. Uh, we were just saying as we were uh, taking notes on the chapter that <laughs> it, it feels like every scene is something we could spend the entire episode talking about. And yeah. um, also, thank you all for bearing with a somewhat more haphazard uploading <laughs> schedule. Um, I am on a medical leave from work and the rest of my life, pretty much. Uh, so, yes, uh, podcasting has also been somewhat affected. So we may be a little bit more haphazard in uploading going on, but we'll see. So thank you. So in the play... Atolia is the name of by the sea, or maybe they pronounce it differently as one word. <laughs> and she's a princess who was swayed by a pretty face. It said, like, oh, no Atolian would have gone so far as to create the character of uh, Princess by the Sea. <laughs> that just went into my brain as uh, a, f a foreign word. <laughs> by the sea i didn't the, the the three words did not register in my mind which makes you assume that um emma Papolitis also has some obvious meaning in it yeah maybe i didn't look that up well somebody uh somebody on tumblr named alex we will uh try and remember to reblog this post says that the name of the fake king in the play is Emma Papolitis. I've been trying to wrangle out a possible meaning. Some of the translations in Queen's Thief are direct from Greek, some are not. Emmy in Greek is I am, and Politis could be some derivation of polis, making this a variation of I am the state. L'état c'est moi, which is the Louis XIV quote. I was also curious because popol looked like it could be a play on the Latin populus, meaning the common people. Emmy is also a direct form from Latin, which initially got me excited because it's derived from an older word meaning take, 
which could uh, which could mean I took from the people a very pointed name. However, the Latin version usually refers to legitimately. However, the Latin version usually refers to legitimately purchasing something. So, I'm stumped as to whether one or the other is the real meaning, but I think they're both great options in terms of context. So, thank you to Alex on Tumblr for doing that research Ooh, and posting yeah. it. That's interesting. And he's represented as a, a gluttonous king um, who's sending his dinner guests into hiding in order to steal the wine left behind in their cups. Um, and there are references to wine because Atolia has been increasing the royal requisitioning of it, increasing her stockpiles for the war that's coming. And this play is Senna giving a voice to everyone who's resenting these war taxes and everyone who's thinking that the Medes are no longer a threat, which is apparently a sizable percentage of the population. Yes, yeah, so that answers our question about are people really taking this seriously? And apparently, they are not. Right. I think it's relevant that Atolia says that uh, the references to wine are about how she has increased the royal requisitions of it, as well as the other crops we are stockpiling. And Jen says, I don't see why that's my fault. Why isn't Queen Emipopolita the main character of this play? And then it uh, talks about how nobody would have dared so openly criticize Atolia. And it's about how people um, are, are, are more afraid of her than they are of him. But also it's about how, like things now fall on his head like he's the guy mm -hmm. and sh what she does is more um it's she's not the the figurehead in the same way anymore yeah which is which is which is kind of interesting when you when you put it with this play specifically like one of the reasons that this play succeeds is because it's hilarious and everybody laughs until their sides split because it's about like uh you know, the main character succeeds only because his plans are so stupid that they keep working by accident. He keeps confounding his enemies because they, I don't remember what it says, they keep running into each other and then they all, he convinces them to go colonize the moon at the end. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm trying to make some sort of, I don't know how to put this exactly, but everything is falling onto his head for a, a reason related to that. I don't know. I feel like there's a connection here as well. Like he's... A comic figure like I don't want to say like not a scapegoat necessarily but there's some connection between him being a figurehead but also he's he's what I'm trying to say he's he's easier to criticize than Atolia you know what I mean like there, nobody's going to go after her because she's too dangerous to attack but he is a safe target in this way because he's easy to mock like this and something that uh is surprising when you're reading for the first time is that it turns out that Senna, the playwright, is very familiar with Jen. They know each other very well. I've exiled people for less than a play like that, Senna, said the king sourly. But it was funny, Jen, wasn't it? Time will tell, said the king. Like, to call him Jen? That is a, an intimate person. Yeah, someone I remember on Tumblr uh, was thinking that they're probably cousins, which I thought was an interesting theory. Yeah. Also, uh, an ambassador says that he didn't go to the play because large crowds inevitably breed disease. Amen to that. <laughs> yep. And right on the heels of this scene, in the, the evening of this day, we get a scene with just Jen and Irene. Uh, they're alone together. And um, 
I'm really saying like more rich priestesses will be much more careful about how they select the judges in the future. Um, and Jen says, well, we have more important things to worry about. The Nemrine are still on the hunt. Costas may still be alive. Costas alert! Yes. Which uh, gives us another clue about the timeline. So we hear at the beginning of this chapter, this is, um, spring was well begun at this point. So this is uh, the spring, we assume, after King of Tolia has ended. Jen prompts Irene and she says it's nothing because she's mad about something. And it transpires she's mad at Sophos because Sophos has asked her advice about a prisoner she's holding, he's holding, excuse me, Ionominus. Yeah, it's really interesting that you're angry at Sophos for asking you to make that decision about whether or not to, to pardon Ionominus, um, so he wouldn't have to. And she says, I do what I must because I'm Queen of Atolia. I am not here to cut Sophos's food for him. And that's so, it's such a, a great insight into her Remember last time we were talking about how it introduces more moral questions about war and when it is or isn't more or less moral to kill people. And this is this is introducing even more nuance about um, pardoning people. She says, um, Numinous betrayed him. Sophos should have killed him on the spot and he didn't have the stomach for it. He let a traitor play on his weakness and the result of his mercy is that he is asked for even more mercy. Um, we are kings and queens, not all powerful gods. We cannot reward the good men and punish the bad ones just as we would prefer. He should leave Numinous to rot and I told him so. Yes, yeah, so, like, fairness isn't the point. That is not the primary concern. All, all of their, all of their decisions are utilitarian. What do you think is the point in the nominous situation? Like the look of the situation? The possibility of him continuing to be a threat outweighs uh, whatever benefit you would get mm. from pardoning him. Like yeah. he had to pardon the barons because he needs the barons. Right, because she says. I told him he should save a better man. Nominus is a liar who will only lie to him again. So that totally makes sense. We also get the great line, Sophos would let a viper nest in his shoe if it said please. (laughs) (laughs) And Jen is taking her hairpins out of her hair for her. It's very casually intimate. Ugh, I'm emotional about the fact that, like, he's doing this because... It, it says she finally began to work at the pins in her complicated braids, pulling them too hard, catching a few hairs with each pin and pulling anyway. She's angry right now and she's not being gentle with herself. Like she's hurting herself mm-hmm. and he doesn't want her to do that. And we also see in the scene that Sophos is, has matured. Jen is saying the decision is his and Sophos of all people would never try to evade that responsibility. So we see that Sophos has really grown into his role. And there's a there's a a kind of button at the end of this about the the subjectivity of all of it. Atulia says, uh, "Nominus is a liar who will only lie to him again." And Jen says, "Whereas I am filled with truth as a hive is with honey." His voice sticky sweet. Oh, what a lie that was! She said, her expression finally softening. Which a that is a Howl's Moving Castle reference. Um, yes, I think so. Yes. Does that? I think that line appears in the thief. In the thief. We're gonna have to come back to this because I'm I was not sure at the end of the book is that why Nominus is there or did he like escape? So the rest of the chapter is so packed 
with other stuff I wanted to discuss, I was almost tempted to just skip over the next scene, but the next the next scene is Juridius uh, blackmailing Ferris out of information Arendidas needs about uh, like tactical information stealing from the king about grain wagons at Perma. Ferris had been targeted by a member of their family who was one of the servants at the villa, and Ferris had arranged an accident that stopped this man, Emptis, from hurting him anymore, and Juridius was the only one who knew about it, but after Juridius was forced to choose between Ferris and the rest of his family. At first, Juridius had been puzzled by the way I was treated, then uncertain, and then when it was clear to him that he could not be my companion and also the proud son of my father, he joined the others in chasing me off. People are frequently cruel in just such an artless, unreflective way. So now he's blackmailing Ferris, threatening to tell everyone here what Ferris did to Emptis. He knows that Ferris is intelligent. He knows that Ferris mm-hmm. is observant that is also what he's threatening to expose. Melisandi knew how dangerous it was to be me. It was her hope that people might take pity on a poor witless boy where they would fear and despise a clever one. And right after this scene where Ferris is is genuinely threatened by Juridius, there's this scene where Sophos and Jen are kind of play fighting and it really upsets Ferris. Because Sophos and Jen are, are play fighting as brothers who really love each other would be doing. And it's started over Jen singing Dee Dee's uh, song that he made to mock Jen, originally the King's Wedding Night song, which we've never heard any of, but we hear uh, part of the chorus, which shockingly... Uh, involves part of a dig at Atolia, keeping his own dear love in mind. He said, you are more beautiful, but she is more, and then the word would have been kind. Um. Yeah, that's, it's a line from The Thief. It's something Jen said in prison in The Thief, which, um, it's, it's surprising that that would be common knowledge to me. Yeah. But then again, everybody overhears everything. Yeah. But, like, Um, the narration, Ferris's narration says, um, I saw Edith wince and nod at his sour notes. He had to have known we would hear him and that we would recognize the song. Soon as pulls him back, pulls himself back out of the chair, he gets the water pitcher. After a moment's uncharacteristic hesitation, Atolia gave a tight nod and just as King reaches the chorus. So this is showing Edith is uncomfortable with the song. Soon as wants to throw a pitcher of water because of the song, Atolia says, yeah, this is a shitty thing of him to do because we all hate the song because it's made to make all of us feel like shit. And then he, he parkours <laughs> up the wall. <laughs> and they're like half falling out the window. And Ferris starts crying and they think that, that Ferris is crying because he he thinks that they're they're genuinely angry at each other and trying to hurt each other. But then Chloe says to Ferris, I have little brothers. They're not as ugly as you, she said. And they only cry when they are ashamed of themselves. I wonder, what are you ashamed of, little monster? And so, like, Ferris is, he's thinking about how he has just betrayed the king to Juridius. Mm-hmm. And he is eating these honey ball things, and I want them. Yeah, they sound really good. 
And apart from Ferris's mood at the end of this scene, this is such a sweet, like, happy scene. This is so nice. Like, you were really right to say that this is the most intimate book in the whole series. And even Atolia is, is animated, she's laughing. Yeah, it says everyone was shouting or laughing, even Atolia. I think it's it's nice, and it means something, too, that Atolia was still paying attention enough to... Fa- like, we, we talk a lot about how, like, Jen is observant enough about other people and, like, still keeping an eye enough on Ferris that he's, you know, looking out for Ferris, making sure nobody pitches him out a window, whatever. But Atolia was paying enough attention in spite of everything going on right now in the scene that she notices how upset Ferris is. Mm-hmm. She's the one who says, Jen, enough. I liked all this background detail about the aqueduct. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. And Ferris is really interested in it, too. And still they start talking about money and then he falls asleep. But the actual, the 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 logistics of it and the architecture, that interests Ferris. Yeah, and like how the river took, how, how like the town took root around this Chilean spring and then the invaders came and the city got built and then... And also there's a lot of detail about the room. One of the things that he says is... The lemon trees are long gone now, replaced with pedestals holding the busts of famous admirals. The beautiful landscapes that used to cover the walls have been painted over with pictures of the naval battle at Hemsha, a shame as the work was not well done, and war should not be made beautiful to look at. So they've, like, the, the lemon trees, busts of admirals, it's, that's gone militaristic, and so have uh, the murals. Mm-hmm. In this future time from which Ferris is writing, which is post the war. And when you read this for the first time, Noelle, like, how did how did all these references to the future make you feel? Like, because, I mean, like, we knew that, like, Ferris was still writing from Atolia. And, like, the, the blurb on the back of the book was said, like, okay, Ferris is writing it, and it's written by the victors, by the grandson of Arendides. Were you reassured by this, or, like still nervous about the war and who would live or like how did what were you thinking by all these future references i felt i felt somewhat i felt somewhat comforted by them because it seems like he was he was uh this future ferris is living in a time of prosperity and and that things have worked out well for him and then the pants the pant He's that guy at work that nobody likes. Yeah, so the scene with the pent. I feel like the, 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 the whole chapter has so many good, interesting things in it, but the scene with the pent makes you forget about all the other good, interesting things that came before because the scene with the pent is just so much. And it's a type of drama that we haven't really seen before, you know? Yeah, it's like Nehuzrish part two, but worse. Like, you see... You know, the conversation scene, you're like, okay, finally, we get something with just Atolia. You know, the whole book is like, okay, Jen's just the center and everybody's flipping out about how great he is, which he is. Okay, I get it. But, you know, I always want more Atolia. And like, okay, yeah, she's finally getting the better of someone. It's just her and she's running rings around this guy and he thinks he's so great. And then she gets assaulted. Yeah. And, like, you get the sense that she... she she would have handled the situation. Yeah, but she can't because her asshole husband wrecks her ability to do that. 
he completely finishes what the pen started and just takes away her agency and her ability to do that by completely overblowing his own reaction and selfishly taking the reins of this situation. And just like somebody says at the beginning of the next chapter, his overreaction makes it so that they can't get any justice in getting the Pence and this one particular man to apologize and put the situation right and get some restitution for the woman who was actually wronged here. You know, Atolia never gets any justice or any apology or any revenge or anything out of this situation because Jen was selfish here. And he's so confident. When he calls her Irene, that, like, it, it, it caused a physical shudder to like this, up my spine. This scene makes me want to kill somebody. Yeah, we get another line of, uh, complaints had been made to the queen and to the king about bills he'd run up with the palace tradesmen, the unwanted attention he paid to the woman of the court, his insults to minor patronoi, and his rudeness to the servants. If he's assaulting the queen of the country, what else is he doing to the woman of the court yeah yikes um yeah the kitchens hated him no one not even his fellow ambassadors liked him but there was little that could be done he was the ambassador of one of the most important countries on the continent only the brailings were more powerful and he says we have a saying in my country that a beautiful woman deserves love and everybody <laughs> like makes wide-eyed yikes faces at each other <laughs> and then uh Atolia says, ugly women do not? As if genuinely curious. And he's not listening to her. It says, this is not what the pen had expected. And after a brief hesitation, he ignored her. It says a little further down, the conversation was cutie had obviously practiced in advance, was going further and further astray. So he has it all completely scripted out. (laughs) (laughs) And like, she is so obviously telling him to get lost. And he still goes for it. Because he says, Nonsense, you are hemmed about with his spies, but I can silence them. I know what you would say if you felt free to speak. And everybody... The energy in the room shifts. It says, The king hadn't moved except to lift his hand to his heart like a man slowly realizing the fatal nature of a wound. He even looked down as if expecting to see a blade protruding from his chest. What a drama queen! A drama king. I'm almost more angry at what Jen did than at what the pen did. Because you can't expect good behavior from assholes like the pen. <laughs> Something that's really interesting and I want to get your thoughts on is it hurts, he said, his voice breaking. Serves you right, said the queen, every word as cold as ice. Serves me right? said the king, incredulous as well as angry, he said, serves me right? You dare, said Atolia, rising to her feet like a thundercloud, you dare impugn me. Uh, so she's pissed at him. But why does she say, serves you right, specifically? And then she repeats it again on the next page. Yeah, because she's saying it because it serves him right to be in pain right now because he just fucked up, you know? Because the right thing for him to do right then was was nothing. Was nothing. Was, was to nothing. was to was to was to was to go after the pent by the book 
in a way that would have had actual consequences. They could have put chains on this guy and put him in an oubliette and then, I don't know, actually done something completely awful to this guy. And she says, if I cannot kill the pent ambassador, then neither will you. The fire in the king flickered. His eyes fell away from her face. There was another long silence until, in a milder voice, he inquired, Can we not kill him? Which is very funny. <laughs> like, this scene, it's, it's like, it's a really entertaining scene. A lot of it is very funny. I always felt like the serves you write might be referring to something else that happened earlier. Oh, I don't think so. I think it's... You don't think so? No, I think it's serves you right for what you just did. And I think the uh, you dare impugn me is you dare to say that this is my fault. Yeah. Like he's saying you told him to shut the doors as if you're trying to save his life for a good reason. Mm. And like why... Why are you trying to save his life? Because you like him? <laughs> um, and then they kick Ferris out, and they push the couches together, and have some old-timey Netflix and chill, I guess. And everybody else outside the council room is thinking that they're murdering each other. <laughs> yeah. They genuinely think that one of them may be dead. I think it's great that Hilarion is relieved to let Frezine be in charge of <laughs> every situation that's a little bit iffy. You know, the fact that he did overreact like this is a major plot point that has huge ramifications for the war and all that, so, like, that's why it happens in the narrative and whatever, so, like, that's cool and all that, but, uh, it leaves a bad taste in my mouth that we never get any sort of resolution for Atolia. About the pen. About you the mean, pen. What do you yeah. What do you think about that? Like, why don't we ever get a sentence in there like, oh, Relius went to go do something to this guy, and before he got captured, he succeeded, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that would have been kind of easy to add. I feel like... I mean, uh, I think... You know, I there's think a, there was a lot to work in, so... Yeah, whatever. There, was, <laughs> but, there was a lot going on. But it, it also... It, it calls back to that um, we cannot reward the good men and punish the bad ones as we see fit. Her opportunity to do something about this um, was a limited window. Mm -hmm. And she can't make the decision about what she's going to do based on what feels like personal justice to her. Right. Which is, you know, that's that's what uh, Jen was doing. And it was right. both, uh, like, personally shitty and not the right political decision. And she she has to make the right political decision. And the, it's the Queen's attendants that really are are kind of aware of, of what's going on and really step up in this situation. Like, not only uh, Frezine, but also Chloe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's also relevant that this is an entire room of mostly women that he's just completely discounting like oh yeah i can silence this room of like 15 of the most important women in the kingdom i could just shut them all up for you it feels like for most of the conversation none of her attendants are thinking of the pent as an actual threat to her like they're laughing at him 
they're making faces, they're snorting. He doesn't know that Atolia is making fun of him. And they're, you know, they're shocked that he's being, you know, this forward as to sit on the ground and to use her name because that's, like, ridiculous, but they don't know he's going to take it that far. Yeah. Because that's crazy. Send us your comments, questions, thoughts. Chime in at atolianarchives.tumblr.com. Be blessed in your endeavors. Thank you for listening. This has been an amateur embroidery production. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, anywhere podcasts are available. <laughs>